Radio Live. Superpowers. So we're here with Chef Guy Vakning, a vegan entrepreneur, owner of Beyond Sushi, a New York City sushi chain. Guy, what's up? How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Uh, what are you up to these days? Uh, besides uh, running the business, uh, having two kids at home, uh, being the bookkeeper, the mother, the father, uh, the dishwasher, uh, the uh, motivator. Not much. So you're not much of a delegator. Uh, I am, but um, but it, it's hard. It's hard when you have, uh, I have almost 100 employees and uh, a lot of systems in place. Restaurants are, are very difficult because there's so many factors that can happen during the day. If it's the customers, the deliveries, the logistics, uh, running around between the locations, delegating sometimes, uh, uh, even if you delegate, you got to just go and uh, hold people accountable and uh, over and over and over and over again. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, How many chains did, uh, does Beyond Sushi have these days? I mean, chains, I mean, actually, actual stores. Three smaller ones and uh, three bigger ones that we're, that we're running. And a commissary in the main kitchen, uh, corporate offices, marketing, catering, uh, uh, a whole big ecosystem. So how, how, how did you end up like opening this, uh, this chain? It's not a very regular uh, type of uh, restaurant, I understand. No, it's not. So it's a, it's a very odd idea and very unique. Uh, I, uh, I worked for my father. I came to the U.S. in 2005, worked for my father and, uh, in the restaurant business. Uh, he had a, a, a bunch of restaurants and then he condensed everything to a catering company. Uh, worked for him for a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, just like as every father and son works, quit uh, and decided to venture into uh, into this world myself. When I worked in every job under the sun in the in the hospitality industry, uh, from a server to a to a manager to a, a door at a, at a club and uh, everything that I could bartender, everything that there was there, I, I love the industry, but. Uh, Decided to go in the route that everybody goes and go to college. Went to study computer engineering. Hmm. Um, Where? Yeah. And here in the city, in uh, City College. After three months in that world, uh, I realized that it wasn't for me. Couldn't sit on the chair, so I got up and left and uh, went back to this world. Uh, my dad, uh, uh, I had always a dream to go and study uh, cooking. So my dad said, oh, let me let you... Uh, let me pay for it. And you go to that instead of going to, uh, into college, went to study cooking for seven months. And as soon as I got out, he said, okay, you are the executive chef and uh, you're running this place. Uh, and he had a pretty, pretty big company. And I was 23 and I said, okay. Um, and I came back, did that, lost him a bunch of money. I uh, didn't know what, what I was doing and then made him a bunch of money afterwards with a lot of, uh, work, uh, hard work. And, uh, Six years into that, I uh, decided to go on my own and open this, uh, this odd and unique idea. Uh, it all started in the catering company. We, 
when we had to make a sushi station, uh, we, uh, we had uh, a lot of requests for a vegetarian option. So I made a vegetarian option. Check that out uh, in the New York Vegetarian, Festi- uh, New York Vegetarian Food Festival uh, for two years, sold out completely uh, for two years and saw that we have something going on. But when I, when I went out and really wanted to do something with it, everybody told me that I'm a, that I'm a cuckoo. And it will never work. Uh, but decided to do it anyway by myself. I have a kind of a Cinderella story. Uh, took all my money, took an investment uh, uh, from my dad, or took money from my dad alone. Uh, and altogether, I had $140,000. Uh, opened my first 12-seat restaurant with a counter, uh, me and another employee. And, um, and basically made it work. I had no money. I opened the res- the restaurant. I had a thousand dollars left in my bank account, and if I the place didn't work for the first month, I would have been closed. So it sounds like uh, you had a lot of support from your father. It seems like he's a great influence on you. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I, I my father my father basically uh, just he gave me the platform, uh, but I had to work really hard for it. And he at that point he wanted to prove a point. He gave me the $70,000 to open my first restaurant, but he wanted to show me what it is to own a business. And I think that deep down inside, he was waiting for me to <laughs> fall on my face and, and to come and save me. But uh, I made it work, so it doesn't. And I paid him back for you know under less than a year. And man, that was great. But I, I think that, that that thing made the drive in me to go and make it work. And it didn't matter what I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, succeed a, in it. That was a win-win situation for him. Either yes. he falls flat on the face and come back, or you succeed and you're amazing. So, how do you how do you present uh, an idea for a restaurant with a unique idea and actually get ex- investors excited about something new in the food industry, which is so you know saturated with ideas and so complicated because you know. I don't know the statistics, but it should be really bad statistics for whoever succeeds in the food industry, right? So yes, yes, how do you yes. persuade people to invest in that? And like, how do you believe, is, it, is there still things to do there? Like, do you have more ideas of what to do there? Yeah, so it's, it's endless. That's first of all. So you can, you can always come up with new things and re-innovate and do stuff. I decided that no matter what, I'm going to be the most unique uh, whether it's bad or, or or not, when you're unique, you draw attention. Uh, you just got to execute at a high level uh, in the food industry. So if you execute at a high level, no matter what, you'll be successful. Uh, you just you have to uh, you have to think about it. For me, at least it was if I'm unique, then I drive certain people to me or I drive people to come to this because they're not going to go anywhere else because it's, it's unique. They can get in a million places, a uh, falafel or, uh, or a pizza or whatever or not. Mine, you can get only in one place. Uh, and that was the whole idea behind it. Now, it can fall, it can fall on its face because sometimes, you know, you see these unique concepts and they don't work. Because they're uh, only a gimmick, maybe. Yes, exactly. But you have, to, you have to execute. And people thought that in the beginning. People thought that I'm this, you know, what, what, do you, what does he think to himself? Uh, but, you know, we made it work and I opened, I opened rapidly. I opened the second one after 10 months and another one after, a year after that. Uh, and that's without investments. Afterwards, for, for investors, you have, to, you, you have to show proof that it, it, it works. And 
not only works in, in, in talk or in idea, that it works in numbers. Uh, there is nothing, uh, there is a slogan that always, uh, you always hear it, numbers don't lie. You got to show the numbers. You got to show that you actually uh, can make it profitable. You can, uh, you can run it. And the biggest thing for me and for investors is that you can duplicate it. A restaurant is very hard because you can do one and it's great, but then you do a second one uh, and it's not so great. You got to show a model that you can duplicate your, your restaurant and make it a business, a bigger business uh, for the future. And that's, that, that, was my, that was my thing from the get-go. I always, uh, uh, the, the thought process was to have smaller location, one commissary that produces for everybody and uh, it goes out every night. So I cut, I cut the, the production side out of the restaurant. Basically, every restaurant prepares for service, gets everything ready, and then they go to service. What I do is I do it in one place, and I just send it out to all the locations. So it's a lot of logistics, uh, but you can multiply and keep the consistency and the quality and everything else at a very high level. Let me understand that for a second. You're saying that you produce everything in one place, and then you distribute to the restaurants? So basically, it's not producing. I prepare everything for them. So when you go to service... uh, when you go to eat in a restaurant, nobody sits there and starts cutting your, your cucumber or your, or your tomato because you'll never eat. So you got you gotta everything prepared for you, right, as, a, as the cook, as the, as the kitchen. That's the hardest part. And when you condense everything into one, it's much easier because you produce on a higher, on, on a bigger scale. So if you produce on a bigger scale, you have less overhead. Uh, the same people that produce for one produce for the other one. You just produce it in a bigger, massive scale. How do you know how much to make though? Like that's always like one of the things that has always interested me in restaurants is how do you know how much food to make? Now, maybe after a while, you you know, years, you understand that there's seasonality and night and day, but how do you know? Yeah. So the the one thing that I I was good at and I always done, I came from the catering world and all we did is off premises, uh, off-premises catering. So it's all speculations of what you're going to need for that event and so on and so on. And if you don't use it, basically everything goes out to the garbage. Uh, but you I know how many it, guests uh, are going to come to that event or at least an estimate. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But what I created in my system is I have, uh, I have, a, uh, I have very limited amount of SKUs that I use for that for, for, to make my menus. Uh, I thought about the process before I, uh, before I get into making the menu. So everything that I do, I, even when I write the menu, I think about the process of making it or preparing it for service or getting everything ready for service. Uh, and I limit it to, uh, 40 SKUs and seven sauces. And my whole menu is built on that. And they're used in different, different places in the menu multiple times. So they just move all the time. Uh, it's, it's not perfect, but what I, I was fortunate with is I had a good following and over 50% of our customers come back for a second time, third time, uh, fourth time, fifth time. Some people spend, uh, I don't know what, $500 a month, $600 a month in our restaurant. Uh, so I was very consistent. Uh, so I can tell you by seasonality, in average, I, I'm going to make this much for today and this much for tomorrow and the day after. There's How much no waste drops, do you have? Zero. <laughs> that's the beauty of it so so every day when we deliver uh 
about 90% goes out and then the 10% that of the skews, whatever can stay, stays, whatever not goes in the garbage. Uh, but it's not, it's basically, it's, it's almost nothing. It's like, it's might be like 4%. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very big on logistics and numbers and, and, and putting everything into, uh, uh, into the dot. It, it, a lot of times it, it, it hurts me cause I'm so, uh, so anal about it and just making sure that everything is the right amount and the, the quantity that I have to run to the restaurants in the middle of the day and stuff. But, uh, I'm very, I'm very good at it. That's my thing. Was there like a, a steep learning curve here? Cause it's not stuff that you can just know from the get go. Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, it, it's time and, and you have to build systems. And today I can just look at, a, at our inventory sheet that is done daily and I can tell if it's off by, you know, uh, by a number. Uh, but it was very simple. Basically, what I did, I cut off the, the ordering part from the restaurant. So what they have is they have a simple Excel sheet, which has a, a part of what they need for the day, uh, averaging the numbers that I, that I think they're going to average. They enter what they have, and then it spits out what they need. Uh, and I have a team, a logistics team, that comes, packs the stuff, and sends it over. One of the things about this business is was was perfecting that and perfecting the 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 logistics part to make sure that you get to that scale. I mean that you can do it at that level, you know. And that's so stuff that you taught food. yourself, or did you learn that from uh, your previous experience? Uh, it's stuff that I think that uh, I mean I think I it's everything was uh, was a you know a trial and error thing, right? So I, uh, I learned as I go and, uh, and I always see, I mean, for me running this business and running anything in business, it's this very simple, simple, uh, equation. It's you measure and you adjust, you measure and you adjust, you measure and you adjust everything that you do. It doesn't matter if it's people, uh, product, uh, food, uh, anything that you do in a business. If you keep that, if you can measure what you're doing, if you can't measure what you're doing, you don't do it. You have to know what it is. You measure it. And if it works, you always got, got to have your hand on the pulse and make sure that if it works or not works, you're adjusting all the time. You're changing. You're, you're evolving. You cannot stay stagnant. And in that, in that place, in the numbers place, I always measured, okay, this is what's going on. This is how much they're throwing out. I was very big on the numbers. And a lot of restaurants don't do that. And they're, they, they get the numbers lost somewhere. Uh, and, um, and that's why they fail in a lot of places. And on the shark tank, how much, how much investment did you get? I got a $1.5 million for 15% of my current business and 30% of a company that, that does not exist yet. Uh, uh, but will exist in the future. Uh, I went in there asking for a $30 million valuation, which was, uh, an exaggeration. Uh, I, I realized that before I went in. But I knew that it will be negotiating and I knew they're going to like the product because it's because it's first of all, it's good and it's unique. So that's where I went. So with that investment, what did you what did you want to do? Like, what was your dream to do with that? Investment? So so the, the idea when we went into Shark Tank or the idea still because we're still in the works and it's not as you see on TV, you know, it's not like, hey, you got this here is a check. Right. Good luck. Yeah, it takes time and uh, and a lot of work and, uh, and contracts and this and that. 
But the idea was to take that money and uh, open locations in the West Coast in L.A., uh, introduce the concept over there. Over the years, we have had uh, a lot of interest from all over the world. I have a bunch of copies all over the world, even one in Israel, believe it or not. Uh, and, uh, and L.A. was always the biggest one. And people was, were always asking us to come out and, uh, and, um, and come to the come to the west coast and come to la and and uh start this over there and and that was the whole purpose of of it to get the money to invest over there and of course of course on top of everything is the publicity i mean publicity uh, and i told that to the sharks on the show they didn't show it but part of it is that i mean you want to get your name out there you want people to know you uh as big as we are there's so many people that don't don't even know uh know about us in the city even though in the in the in the community were very big so it was, seems uh, like you always had an understanding of uh the importance of storytelling or at least uh, from what i've read about you it seems like you understand that it's important to get publicity uh and it's yeah. important to have a good story because i guess you also went to and participated in hell's kitchen right yeah so i i learned through that and, and again one of the things that that you have you got first of all you got to have a good story uh fortunately i do i I came from uh, the small town in Israel and I came to the big uh, capital of the world and, you know, worked really hard at this uh, and other things. Uh, but I think that you have to be bold and you have to have a story. You got to go and tell your story and not be afraid and, and make it sound interesting, uh, even if it's not. Okay. Uh, some people will see it interesting. You just got to say it. Uh, a lot of times people are afraid of how people are going to hear their story or or their uh, or their uh, whatever or their contact that they, content that they put on 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 uh, social media or anything that they do they're afraid how people are going to react to it one of the things that i i didn't care you know i did my thing and i wanted to i wanted to show that first i do it good and i'm confident about it right uh so that story took me to hell's kitchen but even in hell's kitchen i learned from that experience i went to hell's kitchen Uh, in season eight, I only got in at season 10 and that's yeah. after we tried again. But one of the things that I did is I went to the interviews, they flew me out to LA. I learned from the experience over there. I measured what they, what they really wanted. They wanted a, a reality TV person to come along. So I gave him that in season 10. It's not necessarily who I am, but I gave him what they wanted. So what so, did you give them in season eight, uh, that got you turned down? You, did you think, uh, and that you then did give them in season 10 that got you in uh reality tv they they, they want reality tv i gave him serious me in season eight uh in season 10 i gave him a more free me uh, uh exaggerated me uh everything that a reality tv needs right that's that's what they're there for however in the show itself uh in season 10 i didn't want to give him They exaggerated me because I didn't want to make a fool out of myself in national TV. So I gave him my serious me. It doesn't matter. Once you're on, you're on, you won, you didn't win. You get your, uh, you get your foot in the door and then you go from there. Same thing with Shark Tank. I, uh, when I told my team, you, it's reality TV. It's got to be interesting. You got to have a story. You got to make it fun. Uh, you got to make it fun in, in every platform. And this is stuff that I've learned about this business uh, later on. I mean marketing and 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 putting yourself out there it's got to be fun it's got to be something that is not uh so serious i'm talking to you about serious numbers and business and and everything else 
but uh and, and everything that we do in marketing it's got to be fun and it's got to be it's got to be entertaining for the viewer um and that's it and tell me what do you think like first of all are you vegan yes i am uh i wasn't when i opened the restaurant uh but i uh i became one because this uh this world and this community uh, teaches you a lot, whether you want it or not, and uh, and you can accept it or not. For me, it was uh, it was something that I had to do. One, because uh, if if you give me butter, <clears throat> butter and cheese and and uh, and uh, cream, I can make everything taste amazing. Uh, but it challenged me to do certain things uh, for my food and for myself. So I learned how to uh, how to how to cook in this world and then i mean it became my lifestyle uh, i believe in everything that i do now and uh, my kids are vegan my wife is vegan so and, okay so what do you think about the trend what's going to happen with like vegan uh, uh food because you talked about in the beginning what's interesting is you, you talked about the numbers and you talked about the execution and then we talked about the marketing but there's something yes. in between that, that that's that's bothering me because I think one of the sciences, the biggest sciences in restaurant businesses is the pricing. Because yes. what's happening is in vegan, it's actually more expensive to buy, I don't know, beetroot right now than a hamburger, right? So, um, yeah. So how do you manage the pricing situation as expensive as it is? And where's this trend going to be like in about five to 10 years? Like is vegan going to grow? So I, I, I think, and what my biggest approach was from the beginning is to make it accessible. A lot of the vegan restaurants, um, I don't want to say pretentious, but they make it seem like it's something that it's not. I mean, at the end of the day, vegetables are not more expensive than meat. Uh, the, the, the raw product that you work with is, is cheaper. So you can make it uh, at a good price. If you're a pig and you want to charge a lot for something that, uh, that it's not, it's not, uh, it's not what it is, then, then you charge a lot. I, I can charge a lot more for my food, and I don't. I think that if I do it at a volume, at volume I, I get much more exposure, marketing-wise. Uh, I get people that wouldn't try it normally, that are not vegan, to try it. Uh, and it's very important. And it shows. I mean, 60% of our customers are not vegan. I mean, they come in for a good eat, uh, something healthy that they, they haven't had. Uh, and it's, it, it, it's great, but this is, this is the way to do it. I think in, in general is to do it on, on a massive scale and, and keep it real to what it is. I mean, you can't, you can't charge ginormous prices for something that it's not. I mean, the raw product is not that expensive. I still hold the best food cost in, in, in America. Uh, and, and I don't charge crazy prices. I can, I can charge, you know, my roll is uh, six fifty or six ninety five. you know? Uh, you come in, you get a nice eight pieces. Uh, uh, one and a half of those fills you up. You can have lunch at uh, twelve dollars, and you're good. You know. So, but uh, like, how do you know that sixty percent of the people that walk in aren't vegan? Like, do you give them uh, some sort of form to fill out? Yeah, we did that a few times, and uh, we did that a few times in the restaurant. Uh, and I can, I mean, you you see the crowd that comes in. I was surprised when we first first when we opened our our Midtown uh, location. We get big guys in suits come in, sit down, have their uh, their uh, their business meetings. I thought that you know, because uh, most of our customers are are women, uh, uh, and I thought that 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 won't happen. But it's 
you know, it's taking over the restaurant and lunches and it's nice to see and it's nice. Uh, uh, and, and we did a survey, uh, we did it a long time ago, but I think it still hold valid. Uh, but when we did this survey, it was, um, it was, uh, it was 60% that are not, not vegan. Uh, some were vegetarian, but not vegan. What's the, what's the end game for you? Like, what, what do you want to, like, do you want a hundred, do you want a hundred locations? Do you want like to open up more franchises as vegan, like a a school? What's your end game? I think that, I I think that, um, that if you have an end game, there is no, there is no journey, right? So I, I, I am enjoying what I'm doing right now. Uh, We served, um, over 2 million people, uh, this food. And I'm very proud of that, but I think that, that the future is still, you know, it's still a mystery for me. If I knew what I wanted to do at the end of all of this, I want to keep going. I know I have an idea. I have a vision of what I want to achieve along the way, but there is no end game. Uh, I think that, uh, like I said, it's endless and I can do, I have six other concepts in my head already, menus ready. Uh, and I, and I would do them in a split second, but the hardest thing is to, is to build a company to support that. And I invested tons of money, uh, into building a structure, uh, that can hold whatever I want to do. If it's growth, if it's another concept, if it's, uh, if it's opening more locations, if it's in here in New York, and then. Again, you can go and, and, and I mean, we're going to do a, the West Coast and it could be anywhere uh, around the world. I'm still struggling in, in the structure parts, right? So building a company and owning a business is very different. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, owning a company uh, and having a company that runs and moves and grows uh, by itself and not by you uh, or you are directing it instead of driving it, that's a, it's a very different uh, and very hard thing to achieve. And I'm still working on that. Tell me, Guy, I, I, for yes. the entrepreneurs that listen to this, so a lot yes. of people try to decide between franchises or opening up your own business. Like, yeah. I mean, turn it, like more locations that you manage as opposed to uh, having uh, franchisees or people who, who take the franchise from you. Um, yeah. what's, it, what's your take on it? Like what, what model is better for you? Are you thinking about franchising? Uh, why is the model good? Why is it bad? I have no, I, I, I have no experience in, uh, in franchising. I, my thoughts about it, it's one, you have to do it at a very large scale and to make it a business as a, as the person who's giving the franchises, uh, to people I've had, uh, thousands of requests to do it. Uh, I don't, I, I never took that approach because one, it's my product is very delicate. Uh, even me running it and I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm crazy when it comes to that. Uh, sometimes it's not as perfect as I want it to be. Uh, and I can't even imagine if I let somebody who has no experience in this field to go and do it and how they would do it. They, Owning a franchise for me is just basically owning the fact that you have a job. Uh, if you run, a, if you open a business, you open a business. Uh, you can't wheel the franchise that you took from someone to to a certain level. Yeah, you can make more sales and everything else, but you can't evolve and change on your whenever you decide. 
owning a business and you want to own a company and open a company, open your company. Don't buy it from someone else and, and uh, start it. And again, it all depends on how much, how much you want to, you know, take the risk. But with the risk, there is reward. You can make a lot more money owning your own business than running a franchise of someone else. That's, that's my, my take on it. And uh, let's talk a bit about you becoming a vegan, because it seems like you entered this from a business opportunity perspective uh, and yeah. that it became an ideology uh, along yeah. the way. I started when I started the business, it wasn't vegan. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so what happened? Nobody knows. Uh, I mean, nobody. I've said it a few times. But when I started the business, it was vegetarian. I came into this business to uh, open a healthy uh, alternative or concept or uh, to... Uh, to sushi or uh, to your lunch or uh, something fun. That's, that's what I had in mind. I was very, very ignorant about this world and what it is. And 90% of the menu was, uh, was vegetarian. It was vegan. 10% was vegetarian. I had a few egg products. And when the vegans heard about, uh, the vegans of New York heard about this uh, new concept, sushi coming vegetarian, uh, they all wanted to try it out. So they came out. Uh, and I had to always wiggle around, oh, this is vegetarian, this is vegan, this is vegetarian, this is vegan, this is vegetarian, this is vegan. And, and it was very hard. And, and not only that, you know, they, they, I had one guy in particular that, that just didn't leave me alone and said, hey, every day he sent me an email, you got to make this vegan, you got to make this vegan. Every day he texted me, I was like, and he was my customer, so I... Uh, so he was bugging me on a daily basis and really wanted me to uh, to make it vegan. And I took uh, I took a stab at it and tried to uh, make the recipes that had eggs in them uh, vegan. And and it was it wasn't easy, but it it made sense because then I didn't have to uh, tell everybody, okay, this is vegan, and it tasted basically the same. So I said, you know what? Why not? You know, just let's make it vegan. It was two weeks after I opened. It was probably my best business decision, my best uh, decision personally for myself, um, that drove a very good following. People that basically in the beginning kept me alive, kept me in business. It was very, it was very hard to get there. And they took us and said, told everybody around them, uh, and that made the business grow. Um, and like I said, it was my, the best business decision I ever made. Those, the, the, the community, uh, supported us and got our name out there and helped us uh, get out there. The, and health-wise, it was one of the be- better decisions I made. I lost uh, close to uh, 35 pounds after I made that decision. And then uh, I, I feel like there couldn't be any other decision for me to make. I couldn't own this and not be fully behind it. Uh, I tried it. And once I tried it, you know, I was hooked and this is my world now. Let's say that for some reason you decide uh, to make a pivot and go pursue some other type of culinary adventure. Not going to happen. <laughs> I, hey. can't, I can't even imagine. You're going to have the biggest hamburger joint, you know, the next time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't even imagine touching. Uh, I haven't touched like a piece of chicken or fish or meat in more than five years. I can't even imagine touching it. It's, it's weird. I used to be... I used to be like the biggest carnivore that you can ever imagine, but I can't, I can't even imagine. I'm not saying it just for saying it. I, I can't, 
I just can't. I, 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 Have you I become try, like an activist? Is there something that are you, are you leveraging uh, your business to not, influence? I am not. I'm not like that. Uh, one of the things that my approach is uh, about this business, and I think it's been successful, is I don't preach to anybody. I mean, you uh, make your own decisions. Come. I think that once you try the food, and I can convince you by eating it that it's good. I don't care if you are not vegan. I don't care if you eat vegan or vegetarian once a week. I think it's it's fine. Uh, everybody makes their own choices and you live your own life and you answer to yourself at the end of the day. But I I I believe that once you try it, you're gonna enjoy it and you're gonna come back. I, I have a policy in the restaurant, right? If somebody walks in, it happens a lot because of the name. Some people don't realize that it's. Uh, that it's vegan and they come in and it's like, oh, what? No fish? And they're about to go and, and leave the restaurant. So I have a policy that uh, if you come in and you, and you just you didn't know, we, uh, we, give, them a, we give them a roll of, uh, that we decide. And if they like it, they pay for it. If not, they don't pay for it. Uh, and that's, nice. that's, that's what we do. That's our, like, our, our marketing like, niche. And most of the time, 90% of the time, people pay for it and they just stay and spend, I don't know what, you know? So, nice. But I hope, I hope yeah. now, that we're, now, now that it's on a podcast, you're not going to have all kinds of yeah. opportunistic, you know, nah, homeless people coming in <laughs> and just asking, asking like, okay. oh, no fish, you know? It's okay. It's okay. As long as they look. Code. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I, I think that it's different. Uh, pretty honest people around here, you know? So I'm not worried about that. Zoe Guy, I'm going to say this because I don't know the statistics, but most restaurants around the world are not successful. Do you agree? I agree 100%. So what is your superpower and what makes you successful? I think, I think that one, I go, I'm not blowing smoke up my ass or anything, but I go at like 200 miles where everybody uh, goes uh, at 20 most of the time. Uh and it takes a lot of energy and dedication and sacrifice. People don't understand how how intricate this world is. You have to you have to love it. I always say, if you open a restaurant, be ready to cut your veins and let the blood flow. And that's how much it sucks out of you. Uh, don't open a restaurant because it doesn't make any sense. It's just too much too much work, right? Uh, if you don't love it, but if you love it. Uh, you might enjoy it too. I I I just go at it, and I I can I can over the years, and I've learned over the years how to handle a lot of pressure and handle a lot of things at the same but, time. But guy, every, like restaurant business is is you know you know it's it's known to be suicidal. Everybody's dedicated twenty four seven. You know, even the people who close the restaurant at the end, like you sort of hacked the inventory side of a restaurant which is, I think is very unique. The numbers. It's just the numbers. I have, I, I have uh, the other side that w- what, what I am very, because I'm the chef, right? And I, love, I, I can do the cooking. Most chefs don't cook thinking about their numbers. Most chefs just cook because it's creative. And a lot of times they don't know what they're, you know, they're cooking with ingredients that cost, you know, tons of money and they're pricing their, uh, their, uh, their plates at a at a standard price, not actually understanding what they're doing. Uh, I, when I cook, I cook with the numbers in my head. I don't I don't just cook and and then afterwards run. All the numbers are running all the time, and you have to do that. Uh, and you have to find ways of how you you have to be. 
I, I always say that you have to be resourceful. So I had a middleman in the middle. One of the things that I told you that I that uh, because you cook in a in a in a bigger scale, uh, now I can get directly to the importers. So I cut about five to six percent out of my food cost just because I order directly from all the importers. I don't I don't go to the middleman. I just jump over it. But you got to be able to do it at a bigger scale. And the bigger you go, uh, the bigger the saving on that. So that's one of the things. I would say uh, it's, it lies somewhere in the attention to details and being very open to feedback and being agile about it. Like yeah. Measuring yeah, yeah. all the time and sort of like the things that we see in other verticals. Like his approach is very much a MVP. So he's very much about <laughs> actually testing, getting this feedback yeah. loop going. seeing how the product meets the actual real life and then adjusting like that's what I sort of identify yes yeah, so something really cool of him guys is uh, you know chefs are usually the artists so I can hear that he's he's an artist but he understands that if you want to have a business you can't be a full-on artist and you have to first of all think about the numbers and see what art you can have out of that yeah which is a thought process what? that usually people do the opposite uh, in, no, no, it's got to be first that I mean how can you run a business without you Paying people. How can you run a right. business without paying your bills? How can you run a business without paying your rent? So here, another example. Everybody always asks me, are you organic or are you, uh, you know, local? Uh, I, I can't. If I am, I'm not going to have a business. I will have to charge you three times the amount that I charge you right now. Right. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, for me, it's simple math. It's a plus and minus. I mean, You just have to make sure that you're on top of that. If you're on top of that, you should be fine. And, and you should just work hard, you know, put the effort in and be on top of your numbers and you should be fine and be innovative with it. And what would, what would be your kryptonite? I am, I, I am very, very, uh, I have a very hard time letting go, um, out of responsibility. But letting go of certain things I cannot walk by something that is not working properly and not say something and to own a big company uh, a lot of times you have to uh, walk by and say oh you see that something doesn't work and you say hey that's your responsibility go fix it right uh, or you know the, the manager or whatever not and a lot of times I will just jump in and do it because This is who I am. I can't just walk by it and say, "Oh, it's your responsibility uh, and And it took me time to uh, and it's still uh, a struggle for me to manage that a company as a company and letting people do their job so I can do mine. Uh, a lot of times I take over certain things that I shouldn't. You know? Do you have processes in place where you try to sort of delegate and oh, get yeah. the business to scale yeah there's a bigger issue than that it's not even about processes processes are great i mean in companies there's a lot of processes it all depends uh if they're executed and they're held accountable and um and there is a there is a i i feel in the past few years it's very easy for uh for employees over here to uh just up and leave you know uh i have a an issue right now and this is like you know opening up well my controller oh i'm leaving bye okay i found another job that pays me another five thousand dollars a year okay great uh so now you're in a situation what do you do now uh you're not like you have a backup to the backup to the backup to the backup you have an assistant or this or that so it's it's very complicated 
in, in the city here in New York, first, it's very competitive. And when you run a company and you are and you want productivity out of it and and the market is saturated with jobs right now over here, uh, it's very hard. It's very hard to keep good talent. It's very hard to uh, especially in our industry. People steal like they'll go and approach your employees uh, in another place and just take them. Oh, oh I'll give you another ten thousand dollars a year and this insurance and that insurance and bloop. And, uh, and they're gone. And then you built all this stuff. Uh, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard mingle. So this place is, this, this is one of the hardest, uh, hardest areas of this business, I think. Good. So, Guy, a uh, question for you. In one year time, yeah. okay, like when we interview you next time in New York, what's going to mm -hmm. change? Uh, one, I will have another three units. Uh, and we are pivoting towards the, uh, the full service side. And we have one that is uh, full service, so we're going to go into that as well. Uh, so going to have three more units, and we're going to be on our way to, uh, to the West Coast expansion, hopefully, if everything works. Shark Tank. And everything is right. Yeah, Shark Tank. And uh, if everything works right, right? Uh, but plans and reality is uh <laughs> is always different things yeah smack me around so i you know you can say what you want but life is dynamic uh, let's keep it dynamic i don't know yeah but that's your superpower keeping it dynamic that's what i think you think so i think that's uh, at least one of them okay at least i got one of them okay good <laughs> so guy i, I want to thank you very much and I, i wish you like you know keep on giving great new products in the food world because uh that's already unique just by doing that And, uh, and keep on succeeding uh, in what you do and uh, uh, giving hope to more people to keep on opening things that are not online uh, and oh, successful, which is really big for They're entrepreneurs, especially for an Israeli <laughs> entrepreneur to hear, hear you doing it overseas. So good luck for you. And um, thank you. See you soon. See you soon. Thank, thank you, you, guy. Bye-bye. Bye. Real life. Superpowers. Technology. Real life. Superpowers.